Praise the Lord. How many in love with Jesus tonight? Say a big amen. Well, let me look you over. Good to see you. And uh, how many took a nap this afternoon? Let me see your hand. Raise your hand up really high. I'm going to look and see who the really rested people are. The Bible says in the last days, young men will, will see visions and old men will dream dreams, which means the older you have to get, the more you have to sleep to be prophetic. So it's good that you took a nap. And it's good. We want to welcome all of you that are watching on streaming as well from all over the world. And uh, you have the ability. How many are on Facebook? Let me see your hand. Just lift your hand high. I don't mean right now. I mean you have a Facebook. <laughs> I need to qualify that. When cell phones first came out, I didn't know you could take notes on them. I, it's a guy on the front row, one of my messages. He just, I thought he was texting the whole time. I thought, man, he's just, he's just rude. He's not even here. And then I, he came up to me and said, I, I missed that last point taking notes. Could you give me that last one? I said, oh, he was listening more than anybody. I, but uh, if you're on Facebook, you can go to your church's Facebook page, hit the share button uh, for the live broadcast. And so you can really just be an internet missionary and people can watch all around the world. And uh, as Pastor was telling me yesterday about the number of people uh, during COVID and up to now that have been watching your church's broadcast. And they're from way out of state, miles away, and it's an amazing thing. We never dreamed of stuff like this, you know, 15, 20 years ago, unless you were on television it was very expensive and then they came out with you know you could just talk to your phone and people all over the world could hear you and watch and boy it's can you imagine the apostle paul would have loved to have had that back then you preach one message and it was it was, a, it was pretty much over when you finished no recordings etc so we're glad to be here tonight it's good to have my wife with me as she doesn't get to travel me very much and so it's been a joy to have her this week and we'll be here tomorrow night as well and so if you're visiting and this is not your home church please come back in your pastor when you can next week or some other time because he is a man worth hearing he's got a lot to say and we're so grateful for he and his wife we've enjoyed our fellowship with both of you and getting to speak with you he knows i'm from texas i'm glad he told you that never ask a man where he's from by the way if he's from texas he'll tell you immediately Immediately, and if he's not, don't embarrass him. That's what we always say. So that's my, my bad dad joke for the night. But uh, tomorrow night, is it 7 o'clock? 7 o'clock tomorrow night. Bring friends. We're going to pray for the sick tomorrow night. And it's not the only focus of the service. So if you say, well, I'm healthy, I don't have to come. No, you'll want to be here for the teaching and many other things. But I really want you to get on the phone tomorrow and, and call people who have serious diseases, uh, blind, deaf, etc., and let's just watch the beauty of the Lord tomorrow night. If you know children who are autistic, uh, elderly people who have dementia, uh, bring them. If they can't stay for the whole service, that's okay. Uh, we're glad that you'll have them here. We had a beautiful service a few weeks ago. And um, i just thinking of uh, all that God has done for people. And I would think of a lady who was in, uh, she had pain in her feet, bad arthritis in her feet. And had not, she'd been on pain meds for 15 years. 15 years long time popping pain pills for her feet and by her own testimony had not had a pain-free day with the medication in 15 years and nobody even laid hands on her she just standing right out here in the, about the left-hand side of the auditorium as i was looking out and we began to pray for the sick the power of god hit her she locked on to what jesus had already done for her, and by the end of our revival meeting she had testified she had not taken a single pain pill since that moment of prayer and for the first time in 15 years she had no pain in her feet whatsoever just totally gone we've seen god raise the dead literally i shared with that this morning remember laying hands on a woman once in india with a little like a, a, a cantaloupe sized tumor on her side right here you could feel it i, I was laying hands on it touching it and uh, we gathered around her and it just vanished like 
just disappeared in like two seconds. Like it was just like a balloon somebody let the air out of. And I'm, I had my hand on it and suddenly gone. God is a good God. Amen. And uh, the healing's not coming down. It's what? It's coming out. It's already in us. It's right here. It's a very radical thought to think. And just listen to me explain this before you think I'm, I'm nuts. Jesus is not healing anybody anymore. Except to a Christian. Some Christian who's praying for somebody else, interceding, laying hands on. Everything Jesus does now on the earth, he does through a human. Like when he said it's finished, that was Alabama talk for, I'm clocking out. I, I, I've done my part. I got, I got beat up pretty good here and I got crucified and I'm going to ascend back to the Father and I got a little message for all of you now. It is finished. That meant I'm done. And he gave it to us. His authority, his power, all of it. It's all in here. So if you see somebody in the hospital sick, Jesus doesn't go in to see him unless a Christian takes him with them. Remember he told us that we'd be his hands, his feet. That's a literal thing. So when Jesus touches people today, he's doing it through somebody like you and me. So if you and I don't do it, he doesn't because he's already done it. It's like somebody writing you a check for $1 million and your lawyer calls you and says, a nice wealthy benefactor has dropped off a million dollar check at such and such attorney's office. All you got to do is bring your ID down there, prove who you are and get the check. Well, you could have that down there while they repoed your house, repoed your car, couldn't feed your kids. You'd be worth on paper a million dollars. But if you don't go down there and tell them who you are, it's no good. Matter of fact, you can go get the check. But if you don't take it to the bank and what? got to cash that puppy out or deposit it then you're still as good as broke as far as that check is concerned it was provided for you but if you don't claim it show them who you are and cash that thing you can't benefit from it well praise god two thousand years ago jesus came and wrote us a check for our healing and our provision our salvation our joy but you and i have to receive the check you can sit there in a the grocery store praying for food all day long, but if you don't put some in your buggy and go buy it, you're going to be hungry. It's all around us. So we don't have to beg God. We don't have to make God, oh, I hope you like us enough today to, to do something nice for us. No, he's already loved on us and still does. We just have to let it out. Amen. So tomorrow night, we're going to emphasize miracles and prayer. And I'm just tired of, of, of the enemy attacking God's people with things that are illegal in their bodies. Amen. So somebody said to Kathy and I a few years ago when COVID hit, because we never stopped doing anything. We went to every restaurant we wanted to. We went to every, uh, we got on every plane we wanted to go on. And I only put on a mask when somebody made me put on a mask. I wasn't going to live in fear. I just never stopped living my life. Because I decided Jesus wasn't going to participate in the COVID pandemic. And he lived in me. But I saw Christians scared to go get a gallon of milk from the grocery store. Thought something's going to get them. Going to get them. A really good lady that I know, a wonderful lady, a good, 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 godly lady, got so scared of COVID that at Christmas time, she put all of her grandchildren's presents on her front porch and told them at such and such time, they could come bring hers and pick up theirs and do a swap, but she wasn't going to let them in. And they all lived right there in the same town. For over a year, she never let her own children and grandchildren in her house, but yet singing every Sunday about a God who can do anything. 
Some people lost their minds. Are, are, you, are you here? So when you really see the check he has written you and I, and you really see what you already have been given, it changes everything. And now the attacks that we have come on us, you see them as an illegal attack that does not have a right to stay around. So you learn how to tell it to go on down the road and just walk in in strength and joy. Come on, give God a hand clap of praise tonight if you love him. He's a good God. Man, he's good. So I'm so thankful that you're here tonight. So thankful for Pastor allowing us to be here. So I want you to jump right in. We're going to give you several scriptures tonight. And uh, I won't do like I told you this morning with that guy who said, turn in your Bibles anywhere you want and I'll be by there eventually. We're not going to be, <laughs> be that kind. But uh, I do want to share some scriptures tonight to give you a foundation. I'm going to read a little bit of a long uh, text tonight that they're not going to be able to put up on the screen because it's too much. But I want to just talk about prophecy for just a few minutes, and then I want to show you three things that God needs for you and I to begin implementing in these last days. And so, you know and I know without me spending any time on it, go buy a paper tomorrow, America's in problem city. we got problems. We have drive-by shootings like never before. We have kids killing kids. We have school teachers who get cussed out by second graders. And... And, 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 and sometimes the parents, you know, you know how that works now. When I was a kid, I did not want a teacher calling my father at all. Because you all grew up probably the same way I did. You know, we had pine for the behind. And uh, nobody knew what CPS was. And if I'd have ever called my parents CPS, they'd have killed me before they got there anyway. But my father told me the same thing your parents probably told you. If you ever get a whooping at school, you're going to also you're going to get one at home. And I love telling millennials that I'm actually old enough to have gone to school when they spanked people. And they really freaks them out. A real spanking? Yes, by a coach that was mad with real wooden paddles with holes drilled in them for the air to just, you know, hit you really good. And they didn't apologize afterwards and all that. But now we have, we have kids who, who are at school cussing out their teachers. And when they call for a parent-teacher conference, the, 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 the parents now side with the profane cussing kids. And my aunt teaches in East Texas, which is about as leave it to beaver as it gets. And a little girl uh, said words to her I can't say in church. And when her parents came in, they said, why is that a problem? We talk like that at our house. She ought to be able to talk like that at school. I could give you a thousand examples. You don't need them. You know that our country is in trouble. Morally, spiritually, ethically, you name it. I'm not being unkind. But when you look at the people who are right now really messed up, the only thing that should concern you more is they're having kids. And they're going to teach that, and that's going to go even to a different dimension of confusion, etc. So America needs Jesus like never, ever, ever before. The church has got to come back to saying that, that things have changed whether we like it or not. And it's time for us to get out of these four walls and go to Walmart, the soccer game, the dearlies, wherever you go, and take this Jesus with you. Because most people aren't coming to church, or they would have already been here. So we got to actually just... A thought we have to go find them we have to go where they are we have to be where they are and learn how to relate in a way they can receive it and listen to us and share and it's so important and the greatest joy of your life is going to be knowing you led somebody to Jesus at 
the gas station or you prayed for somebody next time you see somebody in public rubbing their head don't just walk by and get, get your milk just says stop and i don't mean to bother you but are you okay oh i got a bad headache oh i'm so sorry i've had a few myself would you mind if i prayed right now because i've prayed for a lot of people whose headaches just disappeared would you would you mind you never know what people will open up to and can you just imagine i had a, a girl just uh, went to high school with tammy and she uh she had a little problem uh she she overdosed and she didn't have oxygen to her brain for 20 minutes paramedics tried to paddle shock her five times because her heart had stopped she'd coded paddle shocked her five times before they got her back finally got her to the hospital she stayed in a coma her, her kids are in the military in saudi arabia american bases and in middle east and iraq and different places they called the, they all brought them back brought them back to dallas and the doctor set her down said she hadn't she hadn't woke up been in a medicated coma now we've taken her off all drugs for five days she still won't wake up your mama's gone just machines is all that's keeping her alive sorry was was basically dead for too long and so would you like to you got two choices you can you can unplug mom now and have about 30 minutes with her before she's gone or if you got enough money you can put her in a nursing home until your money runs out and then they'll make you turn the machine off and you got 30 minutes then and the kids couldn't stand it the thought of she's only 54 years old so they said just leave her leave her for give give us a couple of days to think about it well i grew up with her and i'd heard about it so i flew in from preaching somewhere and i said to kathy i need to go pray for that girl gonna go pray for tammy hadn't seen her twice since high school but i grew up with her sixth grade up so i was halfway to the hospital this is like what what november maybe I, I was i was halfway to the hospital and they called me and said the family has decided to put a no visitor sign on the door so they won't let you in so just go ahead and go on home i just felt ah, i don't know about that i, I i'm supposed to go pray for this girl i i, I don't want to be unkind but i i'm gonna start using my authority gonna pray long story short within 10 minutes i got a phone call that the sister had heard i had been kicked out and said no he can go in so they made one exception just for me now if you've ever gone to pray for the sick at the hospital you know you don't like other people in the room with you that are full of doubt and unbelief that's why jesus kicked a whole bunch of people read your bible jesus y'all go and walk out i don't need y'all in here I, not that they made him weak he just wanted to focus i mean you know what i'm talking about so I didn't, I don't need, you know, your third cousin in there, you know, with his arms crossed, chewing gum, you know, so I just, I got there. Nobody was in there, but her, just me and her because of the no visitor sign, except for me. I couldn't even lay hands on her because so many wires and cables, she had one little spot on her forearm about that big. I just barely put my hand. I wasn't in the room more than 90 seconds. I didn't feel any different than I feel talking to you right now, or I felt any different having lunch today. Just a normal Jesus day. But I rebuked death. I spoke to every organ they had told me was failing, lungs, kidneys, brain. See, you don't ask God to heal anybody ever because he already told you he did. You're just there to cash the check. I commanded healing into her body the will of god's already been settled he doesn't want her to die of a drug overdose at 54 so i commanded healing into her body she opened her eyes for about 15 seconds looked at me i said hey tammy it's mike from school remember me and she shut her eyes back instantly no visible sign anything changed i don't care i don't need anything but his word
And his word says they shall lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. Sometimes a recovery takes some time. When Jesus cursed a fig tree and he said, you'll never reproduce again. He walked off, but the tree still looked the exact same. But the next day, when the disciples came back, they said that thing's rotted from the roots down. Well, it started rotting underground when Jesus cursed it, but it took a few hours to come up. So sometime what you haven't seen yet has already happened anyway. So can I tell you and give God all the praise within 48 hours, Tammy woke up and Tammy's at home tonight, gone back to work, gone back to her job. Oh, come on, somebody. I, I, I went back. I went back to the hospital five days later and prayed with her to receive Christ. And she's now the, the paramedics that, that saved her life or whatever. They, they've been given awards. I mean, it's been a, been, been, been a wild thing. But it almost didn't happen because they almost didn't let me show up. And we could have said what we needed to say anyway, wherever we were. But it was nice. I'm telling you all this. These, this is the normal life for a Christian. This is going to become your new normal. This is not a, wow, we had a miracle. It's an average day. Welcome to your new life in Jesus. That's why it's not boring to serve God. I'll never forget years ago, there was a pastor I preached for way a long time ago. And he was real prophetic. Like God always gave him words about other people's lives. So you were always kind of half nervous to be around him anyway. You know, you've been around folk like that, right? So I'm going to go have lunch with Pastor Joe now. Anything I need to internally think about before I go meet him, you know? And right before I got to meet him, we was having barbecue. I had been told there was a pastor, a Baptist church there in town, and I'd known about the guy for years. His health had, had collapsed. And his church fired him because he'd missed so many Sundays sick. And they did his family really dirty, kicked him out of the church. I mean, it was, it was ugly. It was, it was a bad, it was just church people at their worst. And the head deacon who was responsible for most of the the meanness, I had, I knew him and I'd heard about the situation. And would you believe right as I walked in the barbecue house to meet my pastor friend who God talks to about other people, the Baptist deacon guy walked in at the same time and I saw him and I knew they didn't know each other, but I knew what I knew about both of them. And I thought, I wonder if lunch is about to get really interesting. Could it be? So we went through the line and got, you know, all the normal stuff. And the little place where you refilled your tea was over here. And so the Baptist brother, and it doesn't matter, he didn't have to be Baptist. He, he could be Pentecostal and then he'd be twice as mean. So he just, let's make him Pentecostal. But so he comes over to refill his tea and sees me for the first time. And we're just eating because I've said nothing to anybody. He walks over and says, brother Mike Smalley, nice to see you. I said, good to see you, Joe. I said, Joe, have you met my pastor friend here? And I introduced them all. And it took 15 seconds, just the average small talk. How are you? Nice to meet you. Good to see you. Just get my tea. Y'all have a good day. Turn and walked off. Instantly, the pastor doubles over like this, puts his arm over his stomach and goes, oh, my, my, God just spoke to me. That man, I know he's your friend, but I got to call him back over here. The Holy Ghost says he's a preacher killer. And I said, I knew lunch was going to be cool today. I just knew I got sweet tea, Texas toast, barbecue rib, potato salad, and a prophet at the table. It's going to be a good day. I said, call him over. He whistles for him to come back. He says, hey, I don't know you. Mike hadn't said a word. But the Holy Ghost just told me 
you did a man of God dirty, real dirty. And God has seen what you've done. And he's lovingly talking to me about it so you can make it right. And the guy just freezes. What do you say? I just eat another bite of potato salad. <laughs> I just, I'm just watching. I'm just waiting. So ministered to him for a little bit because God doesn't do things like that to be mean. It's a merciful thing. He wanted that guy to get things right. It was a loving thing. And when he, well, so they, they had a time together. And the man of God said, God said, tell you, you got six months to get things right. Or there will be consequences. And he said what they were. I mean, he's just laying them out. So when he walked off, my friend looked over at me and said, wow, you knew all that, didn't you? I said, yeah, I wasn't going to tell you. He said, Mike, what a privilege it is to help people. Because he knew God was just trying to help that, that. God loved that guy. And God wanted that restored. And God wanted that preacher healed. And nobody who could probably heal him better than the guy who did him dirty coming back and saying, I'm sorry. He said something I've never forgot. He said, Mike, and understand his heart. He said, this is how I want to live every day of the rest of my life. What he meant was just in tune with the God who loves us all. You know, you say, well, it probably was made that guy pretty awkward. Probably did. But for the opportunity to get things right and move forward, it was worth it, wasn't it? It had to tell him, this man knows nothing about me, but God loved me enough to tap him to tap me. Because Pete probably quit listening to God himself a long time ago. So I'm telling you some of these things to tell you. We have a supernatural God that we serve. And he wants to be supernatural through you. Because that's the only way he knows how to be. Just supernatural. When I was in Africa a few weeks ago, sitting with Pastor Chris Okolomi, and he's building a new auditorium. I saw it. I didn't get to go inside of it. Almost finished. It seats 125,000 people. It's bigger than the Texas Motor Speedway. Bigger than any arena in Alabama. Any arena in Texas. 125,000 seats. And that'll be a small crowd for him because the place I was at, they'd already had one outreach there and got 3.4 million bodies. So God's moving all over the world. And I'm sitting with Pastor Chris afterwards, and I'm telling you all this for a reason, and I'm not going to preach a long time tonight, but I'm going to layer some things before we move. And he looked at me very quiet. He said, Mike, he said, there are dimensions in the spirit realm we have not yet tapped into. And I could tell he, he was about to tell me something. This is a guy who's had multiple raisings from the dead, and I, this, this, is, this, is, this is a guy. I'm just listening he said, Mike, remember when Paul said he, he, he went to heaven? He knew a man that went to the third heaven and saw things no man was permitted to talk about. I said, I remember that. He said, there's dimensions. There's stuff. There's a world we haven't tapped into yet. There's super. He said, it's all in the scripture. But he, he said, remember like Philip, when Philip baptized the Ethiopian eunuch and, and, and he came out, the, the treasurer for Candace. And remember Acts was chapter 8. He baptizes him. And when he raises him up out of the water, the Bible said the Holy Spirit took Philip and shot him over like Star Trek to another city. Like having a baptismal, you know, service in, in, in Montgomery, Alabama, and you put somebody in the water, when you raise them up, you're in Atlanta, Georgia, just that fast. You think you'd ever forget that? 
How many of you think the next time you're in Atlanta in a traffic jam, you'd like to have something work like that for you? God, get me where I'm going. So Pastor Chris is just very quiet, very quiet man. Almost can't understand him. He whispers so much. So my God is just showing us. He, he said the other day, I left my favorite pen at the office. And he said, I got home to do some Bible study at my house. And I sat down, looked in my briefcase, and my favorite pen is gone. And it hit me. Oh, man, I left it. I, I know what happened to it. Like all of us. You say, shoot. And you hate it, but you're not going to drive back 30 minutes to get a pen. He looked at me and said, Mike, a voice spoke to me four feet over my head. And the Lord said, where would you like the pen to be? And he said, excuse me? He said, Lord spoke again. Call it forth. Excuse me? Call the pen forth. Where do you want it to be? He said, I want it to be in my briefcase. And he said, the Lord spoke again. So then call it forth. He had never heard of anything like this. So he just obeyed. So he said, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I call the pen that I left into my briefcase. In Jesus' name, amen. He said, Mike, open the briefcase. And it was right there. Just like that. He said, I said, God, what are you showing me? What are you doing? What, what's up with this? And he thought about the fish when Jesus said to Peter, oh, uh, you got some taxes to do. Is that your problem? Well, we were going to have a miracle crusade today, but since you like to fish so much, and since you're worried about the taxes, go and take the day off, go fish, throw your hook in the water. Read it. It's in the Bible. He was very specific. The first fish you catch, you're going to catch more because you can have the whole day off. The first fish you catch, open his mouth. There'll be a gold coin in it, enough to pay my taxes and yours. And the Bible said it was just like Jesus said. John chapter 21, last two verses, that Jesus did many other things not written down in this book. And if they had been written down, he said, I suppose even the whole world would not contain the books that could be written. This is a great God. This is a miraculous. This is a Jesus. Come on, son. This is not dead, boring, boring. This is Jesus who walks on water and walks through walls and raises the dead and talks to deaf ears, which is like showing a painting to a blind man. How do you talk to a deaf ear? It's a, it's a, it's an oxymoron. How do you, how do you command a blind man to look at something? It doesn't make sense unless you're going to open that blind eye or open that deaf ear. So they got together with their top seven people. Pastor Chris began to share. God's taken me into a whole new level. They needed $1.2 million for an offering for a, a project they were working on. And so they, they, they passed the plate. This is in Africa. This is in a third world country. They got one, they, got, they didn't get 1.2 million, they got about 700,000 that came in the offering. And Pastor Chris said they're in the table, ushers counted three times. Came back in and told him it wasn't enough. We passed the offering plate today, several services, multiple services in, in, in a church, but they have several times of, of locations, you know, like an eight o'clock, nine o'clock service. We didn't make it. He said, count it again. They said, we knew you'd ask, so we've counted three times. He said, oh no, you misunderstand. I'm not questioning your accuracy. I'm not questioning your math. I'm telling you, it's not what we need. 
He promised to supply what we need. So if he can multiply fish and bread, he can multiply money. So go in the room and count it again, and then count it again until it's exactly $1.2 million. And two counts later, with nobody giving another nickel on the table, it was $1.2 million U.S. cash. Come on, somebody. So they all left and went to South Africa with all, all the guys I'm talking about. I was just with them three weeks ago. And one of them, Eddie, forgot all his documentation. You have to have shot records to get in South Africa, proof of things. He left it in Nigeria. Flew all that way. And they not, they're, they're in line at customs. So they whispered to Pastor Chris, We've looked through Eddie's jackets, his pockets, his suits. We've gone through his luggage. He forgot all of his documentation. They're going to send him back home. And Pastor Chris just turned, smiled, and said, tell him to call it forth. Where would he like it to be? And they knew what he meant. You see, the African culture was raised around witchcraft. Stuff levitating. I can tell you stories. I've been going there 30 years. Little girls talking like Darth Vader. I've watched 13, 14 year old girls who maybe weighed 85 pounds throw bodybuilder American men around like rag dolls. Demon possessed. A crusade director had the first day tent outside. Little girl levitated four feet in front of everybody. And a James Earl Jones, Darth Vader voice spoke out of her body. We told her not to come here so she could hear the message. So we've made her sick so she won't hear the gospel. Because her and her sister, I mean her cousin, had been throwing up, vomiting. That's how they took him out of the tent. They got him out of the tent, got stiff as a two-by-four and started floating in there in front of everybody. Now over here, we trust the science. You know, there's got to be an explanation for that. They do that in Las Vegas, Mike. They got wires and mirrors. Well, buy a ticket. Buy a ticket. Come with me somewhere like Kenya. We'll get in a car and drive six miles out somewhere in the boonies of the boonies. And, and we'll let about six or seven of the witchcrafters start their chanting in front of you. And when stuff starts floating and flying, you find the wires. Go right ahead. Go right ahead. Check it out. Test it. When a room gets as cold as ice and it's 104 degrees outside with no electricity, no AC, no fans, you explain it to me. You, you run it through your educated American mind. Over there, they grow up around that stuff. So when they hear the gospel and they're told that this Jesus has more power than that witch doctor, more power than the stuff that scared them as a kid, they have no problem. They just transfer one belief over to the next and the blind eyes pop open, the deaf ears unstop. Over here in America, we're still trying to figure it all out. Maybe it's God's will to heal some and not others, or there must be a scientific reason for that, you know, Mike. There really is an explanation for things. Yeah, it's called there's devils, and there's a Jesus. There's a supernatural realm that's more real than the one you see right now. Are you hearing me? So they all got together, just joined in a circle. They'd looked through every part of his briefcase 15 times. And Eddie told me the story himself. I just said, Father... I can't get in here to do your work without my papers. So I call forth my papers now in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I call them into my briefcase. 
They said, in Jesus' name, amen. They opened up the briefcase, and every single one of Eddie's papers was right there where they asked for it to be. So when I tell you God is doing something on the earth today, and he's no respecter of persons or places, I mean, we all got the same God, the same Bible. I say get excited because the supernatural life is your new normal. Are you hearing me today? But if we fall back into all of the, well, I don't know about that. Well, you can stay in that. I don't know about that stuff. And the rest of us will keep raising the dead and laying hands on the sick, and casting out devils. Are you hearing me today? If you could see a demon, it wouldn't be 10 feet tall. It'd be two feet tall, look like a little scared possum or something. The, 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 the fear that they generate is fake. They're the father of lies. If you knew what authority was already on the inside of you, come on, somebody. So we were preaching and they were cutting goats throats 10, 20 feet away from my pulpit. Chanting and all that. Are you scared? Of what? <laughs> what? A lost person who don't know my Jesus? No, there's no fear at all. No, I'm more scared of somebody throwing a rock than I am a demon. Come on. Rocks can hurt. Demons can't do anything to you. So what's going to happen in the United States? As demons continue to teach people, the Bible says in the last days men will fall prey to doctrines taught by demons, which means demons are influencing thought right now. They're influencing belief systems. That's the only way you can explain it. In California, they've got some people talking about a bill to lower the age of sexual consent to 12. In this, there, there's school teachers making videos, and you can Google all this and find it out for you. There's public school teachers now. Who are going on their own social media and saying, if you're a child and you want a sex change, you can come to me and we'll medically arrange it and tell your parents after it happened. You couldn't get your ears pierced when you were a kid. Now they can have a life-altering surgery and nobody's stopping these people. It's being applauded, being wonderful. There, 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 there's, there's no explanation except there's demon powers at work on the earth today. It doesn't mean everybody who's believing these things is demonized, but the perpetrators of the belief system, I read it again today, when Satan is released from the bottomless pit in Revelation chapter 20, the Bible says he's being sent forth to what? Deceive the nations again. That's what he does. He comes as an angel of light to mess up people's belief systems that's how you get people who swear a man can have a baby so what's going to happen to you and i well i'm glad you asked because it's good news coming down for all of us amen i want you to turn in your bibles just listen to me read this before i give you the major scriptures this is second timothy chapter three and i want to give you three amazing nuggets tonight that'll take you to a whole new level in your walk with god and I want to read to you first something that Paul said that we all should expect because, how many of you know, there's some weird stuff happening in the earth right now. You saw that during COVID, you're going to keep seeing it. Listen to me real close. Second Timothy chapter 3, I'm going to read the whole chapter, so just listen and don't even have to worry about following along. Paul said, know this. Everybody say, I know it. It's not a hope, guess, prayer, wonder. Paul said, no this i want you to listen to this now before i read it everybody look this way what year is this you know god could have created you and me any year he wanted to now i got here in 68 some of you got here in the 40s the 50s 60s 70s 90s 2000 we all got here at different times but do we not all agree god's god 
He could have created you and two other people in the 1700s. You could have been born in the 1430s. Some of you feel like you already were. God could have made you to be born two hours ago. But you're here. Old enough to listen to me talk and reason and receive and respond in 2023. And when God made you and me to be here right now in 2023, you can know this with great confidence. He knew what the world would be like in 2023. And he chose you and I to represent him right now in this moment of world history. Knowing all the weird stuff, man, knowing all the crazy things. Because stuff has changed even since I was a kid. I'm just in my 50s. I, I didn't call my mom and dad during the day. I left at 8 o'clock in the morning and knew just to be back at supper time. You knew you had to be home when the street light, that's your curfew. And during the day, they didn't know where you were. They had no idea. Can you imagine for five minutes doing that with an 8-year-old kid today? Never. Never would you be comfortable with that. You don't like it now when they got a cell phone tracker. America will never go back to that. I was the last generation that could let their kids go for 12 hours at a time. That's heartbreaking. But God knew what would happen in 2023 and knew your giftings and your skills and your talents and your anointings. And he brought us to be his army in 2023. So you are right dead in the center of where God wanted you to be. I don't know about you, but if I'd have been a, given a choice about it, I probably would have gone for a 1950 birth or something, man. I, I would have liked America when I didn't have to lock my front door. I, did, I would like no metal detectors in my schools. I'd like to go back to some of that where you didn't have to worry about. My grandfather told me back, he said, Mike, man, the depression, we were really, really poor. But he said, you could have spent the night on Main Street with a $100 bill in your teeth and you knew you were going to wake up with it there the next morning. Nobody would have taken it and they really needed it. Different day. My first church, I pastored 1992. The pastor I, I followed, I said, where does the, the key to the door? I said, we don't lock it. That was the part. I said, I don't even lock my house, Mike. It's just a small town. Well, I was raised in Dallas. And I thought, you're a fool. You know, we lock it twice and three times and have four dogs, you know. But God wanted you here. So he says this to you, but know this. The last days, stressful times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves and lovers of money and boastful and proud. Disobedient to their parents. Unholy, unthankful, without natural, normal sexual affection. Implacable, slanderers, without self-control, not lovers of good, headstrong, puffed up, lovers of themselves rather than lovers of God. Watch this, religious American Southern Christian, having a form of godliness, but denying its power to change them. Good old Southern Christians love Jesus, but you wouldn't know they did ever. They don't allow the gospel to change them. You know why so many feel-good messages are popular today? Because it scratches the God itch inside of all of us without requiring a change. It makes people feel good. But there's no required change. And the gospel requires us to make some changes. So I'm going to keep reading. How many of you are with me so far? Now watch this. He's having a form of denial, but denying the power thereof. From these kind of people, turn away. Doesn't mean don't help them, etc. But you're not leaning on these people for your advice and your counsel. Ready? 
For these are the kind that creep into houses and take captive silly women laden with sins, led away by divers' lust, ever learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Even as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do also these withstand the truth. Men corrupted in their minds, reprobate concerning the faith. Okay? But these shall proceed no further, for their folly shall become evident to all men. But you, watch this, but you. So he just described the last day people. He just described the culture. Then he stopped and says, but you. Everybody say, but you. But you follow my teachings. Follow my conduct, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love. Follow my persecutions and my sufferings which befell on me at different cities. And I endured all of them because the Lord delivered me out of all of them. Yes, and everybody that wants to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. For evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving others and being deceived themselves. So what you're seeing, ladies and gentlemen, happen is, is what God said was going to happen right before the rapture. It was going to get rocky, going to get crazy, going to get, going to get rough. You got moms. I just saw a picture last week of a mother who had taken her son. And I, you know, I just, I just said, Sunday night, you're an adult crowd. She, she, she removed his manhood surgically. And while he's laying on a table now at like 13, she's introducing, he's laying on the table. He's had his maleness amputated by her at his request. Signed off of it on a doctor and he's laying in the hospital bed smiling and she says, I now want to introduce you to Michelle, my new daughter. How did we get there? Paul told you. Deceived and being deceived. Dear God in heaven, what kind of monstrophic child abuse are we ever, ever? Well, Mike, that's just a few weird people. Wished it was. But it's a belief system of tens of thousands. And it's getting more prevalent by the day. So Paul said, but you, but you, but you continue in these things. But you abide and live in the things which you've learned and been assured of, knowing of whom you've learned them, and that from a child you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise. For every Scripture is inspired of God and is profitable for teaching and for correction, for instruction, for righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished completely unto every good work. In other words, he said, if you'll stick to this book, God will walk you through every water, every storm. You'll be victorious. You'll be full of joy. You'll be full of grace. You'll be full of peace. And no matter how crazy it gets, grace is going to be stronger in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. Give God a shout today. So you need to know there's some stuff happening. There's banks that are collapsing. There's going to be more. They're, they're, they're printing more money so the American dollar's dropping. China's sending spy balloons all over our nation and nobody's shooting them down till they've passed over seven Air Force bases. You know that, right? Google it. Three weeks, four weeks ago. This world is chaotic because we've kicked God out of schools, kicked God out of culture, and we've shaken our fist at the Almighty and said we've got science and education and we can do it better than you, and it ain't working. But the church is getting one of two things, depressed about it, hiding, or tired of it and getting anointed and walking into the circles of the earth through business, through preaching, through loving 
through family reunions, through high, for all, just day-to-day life. And we're boldly and lovingly saying it does not have to be that way. I know a Jesus who can take us through and let lives be changed. Come on, God. Give good God one more hand clap of praise. So how are you going to do it? How am I going to do it? Three things. Three things. How, what kind, would you like to have a kind of a life where you could call forth something you lost? See, I know half of you probably already thought, well, Mike, that's just, you know, kind of a little weird. That's why it ain't happening for you. Because if God can rapture a man in the water baptismal tank, how many think God could help you get a pen to your house? You, you don't think it's going to be like this when you die, do you? See, you're a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body. But when you take this body off, you'll be able to walk through walls and fly and do everything. Because you're a spirit. So what are, what are we going to need to do? Just, I'm going to give you three things. What do we have to do to thrive, to have the miracles, to have all? What, what do you have to do to have financial favor, financial How do you prosper in these times? What are you going to do if they have another virus break out and shut the churches down again for six months? What are you going to do if they tell you you can't buy or sell unless you have a mask to get in the building? See, all that stuff was a practice run. It was all a practice run. It went from no mask, no entry. Then it went to no, 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 no vaccine, no job. It had some stages to it. I'm not here to be medical or whatever. I'm just saying they, they, they put you through stuff that you never thought would happen in your lifetime. You couldn't even go to church on Easter Sunday. They closed every church in America down in April 2020. Nobody could go to church. Are you grabbing this? Well, the Bible said there'd come a day you couldn't buy or sell anything. So watch the progression. No mass, no entry, no vaccine, no job. No chip, no selling, no buying. The technology is already there. You, 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 you got, you, 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 you're tapping cards on phones now. You're, we're all doing that. Wait till they say it'll just be a chip that you can pass your arm over the grocery store thing. Nobody can steal your wallet because it's in your arm. The Bible talked about a one world currency. It's digital. And I, I, and right here in Alabama, in Montgomery, bank president two years ago, sir, how long would it take you guys to go all digital? He said, 20 minutes. The technology has been available to us for years. See, all this could change like that. How many businesses do you know that don't take cash anymore? Do you see how fast and subtly things are changing? There's some convenience to the stuff, but it's progressing to what the Bible said would be. One world currency, one world government, one world religion. It's all been prophesied for hundreds. Jesus said, when you see these things take place, look up and smile. Your redemption's drawing near. This is not a day to be depressed, man. I'm headed to a place. Hey, <laughs> I'm headed to a place. No more sickness, disease, child abuse. There's no more murder. I'm king of kings and lord of lords. And I'm not going for the weekend. I'll never leave once I'm there. Hallelujah. And in the meantime, I've got joy unspeakable and full of glory while I'm here. I've got authority over everything that comes against me while I'm here. I've got authority over sickness, disease, devils, depressions. Come on, somebody. We win no matter how you look at it. So what are the three things? Number one. Renewing your mind. How are you going to get over the coming storm? Because if you fail in these three areas, I promise you, you won't make it.
you're not going to make it. That's not me being depressing. But you're not going to make it. you got to renew your mind. Everybody say, my mind is not a Christian. It's not a Christian. Your mind didn't get saved when you did. Your spirit man did, but your mind is not born again. Your mind is your mind. It's not the real you. You can be in the middle of prayer and have the most horrific thoughts on the planet. You say, where did that come from? Your mind. The Bible says your mind has not been redeemed, so it has to be renewed. You have to renew your mind with the Word of God. God gave you His Word to renew your mind. And you got to renew it every single day. It's good to do it every hour. Look at Romans chapter 12 verse 2. says this, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. Why? That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Romans 12 2. Don't be conformed to the world. Don't get sucked into its belief systems. Don't get sucked into the religious belief system. That it's just going to be, you know, so many of our old Pentecostal songs were so depressing. Everything was always going to get better once you died. I've got a mansion. It's just over the hilltop, man, in that bright land. It was always about tomorrow. You know, but here and now, it was just, woe is me, and, you know, I'm getting my tail kicked by the devil. And there was no victory. There was no real sense of, it, the eternal life doesn't start when you die. It starts the moment you get born again, and Jesus lives on the inside. So he says, be not renewed. Put those up on the screen if you can. Romans 12, 2. He says, don't be conformed to this world, but be changed, be transformed by the renewing of your unsaved mind. Because when you get that done, you can prove what is good and acceptable. And you can know the perfect will of God in a generation of people that don't know God from a stick. But you have to renew it. Whatever you got to do, folks, get into the Bible. I, I gotta give you a crazy confession as a preacher. I don't read the Bible very much at all. There's no other explanation for it. I don't. I very seldom read the Bible. But I listen to it for hours. I've already been through the New Testament since January 1st. I have an app that plays it for me continually. I can't read while I'm driving. I can't read when I'm mowing the grass, and I don't want to wait to hear the Bible, you know, when I can sit down. So ever, ask my wife, do I ever get out of bed in the morning without my phone on my chest? Chapter 1, chapter 2, sometimes 15, 18, 20 chapters a day, because faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. I read the Bible, obviously, being a little facetious, but 90% of my Bible, I'm listening to it as it's read to me, because it's coming in my ear gate, into my spirit, man, and I'm confessing it back. Whatever you have to do to get you excited about your Bible time, whether it's reading, writing, saying it, listening, get into it every single day and let it renew your mind and change your life doesn't have to be your grandma's king james find one you like but get excited because you'll never keep returning to a place of boredom are you hearing me today you okay that i listen to the bible i do read it too but most of my bible and i'm not kidding i'm not showing off it's 18 chapters a day is not rare for me 
I listen to the New Testament multiple times a year. Old Testament. I keep it running. Today, she's in the room. What am I doing? Gets out of the shower. It's going. She hates the narrator on my app. So I wait till she's in the other room. I play this guy she don't like. I, I'm praying she gets saved. Amen. So faith comes by what? I want my mind renewed. I'm not listening to the radio when I drive my car. I'm listening to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's bathing my mind, my spirit. I'm hearing God's word. Oh, there was a time last December, I listened to about 15 chapters a day, several days in a row. Then the holidays hit, and I only listened to about three chapters a day. And it was the craziest thing ever. There's nothing wrong with three chapters a day. If you did that every day, that, that's a pretty good you know, amount of the word. But I had been at 15 a day for many days. Then I went down to three, and I felt it. I don't know how to explain it, but I, I, I wasn't like, it's like eating half of a meal. You were glad you did, but you were still hungry for more. Like I noticed I was like weaker, if you will. Like something had changed. I said, wow, I had no idea it was popping me that much. Because when I went back to even three a day, I felt like something was wrong. His word is our life. It's our joy. Come on, get it in your spirit. Meditate on it. The Bible says if you'll meditate on it day and night, everything you touch will be a success. Romans 10, 16, faith comes by hearing, not from having heard. It's what you're presently hearing and hearing by the word of God. I love Romans 10, 17 in the Weymouth New Testament it says, and this proves that faith comes from a message that's been heard. And the message comes through having been spoken, a word spoken by Christ. Joshua 1, 8 says, keep this book of the law on your mouth always. Meditate on it day and night so that you would be careful to do everything written there. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. That's your ticket. We got Alabama Christians and Texas Christians who read two or three verses at night and jump into bed. And you've been on social media for 10 hours that week watching Fox News. And thinking just because it's conservative, it's good for you. It's not. It's, it's all unbelief. It's all fear-mongering. It's all, you know, breaking news. Everything's breaking news. So then nothing's breaking news. It's kind of like saying, weather is active. <laughs> wet tonight. The water is wet. Yes, it is. And the news is breaking because you're breaking it to us now. So all news is breaking news, but it's supposed to be, wow. They always have trumpets with it, you know. It's five o'clock news. Da, 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 da. <laughs> it's depressing. You can't look at that stuff two hours a day. You can't take one spiritual snack at night and expect to raise the dead and be an overcomer. Because your unbelief is going to pull you so far down the river, you have no strength to swim against the current. Are you hearing me tonight? Got to fall in love with the scriptures. Got to fall in love with the word. Meditate on it. I, I can't tell you the number of days. It took me a long time to train myself to it. But, 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 but a lot of time Kathy will wake up or I'll wake up 30 minutes before she does. I don't want to bother her. I've got about 15 scriptures. I say over and over and over again. Before I even get up out of bed, I've had church. And you need to live like that. Because this word will bring a joy and a peace and an authority so that you can lay hands on the sick, see them recover, cast out devils, raise the dead, call in divine provision. I mean, I'd like to just set your bills out on the table and say, it ain't enough, Lord, so we're going to count it till it is. 
You think that just works in Africa for a man of God over there? God loves you and me too. So how many will say this year, you're going to change everything about your Bible habits. You're going to get into it in the morning, at lunch, at night, meditating. And your pastor is a master Bible teacher. His wife, they're always encouraging you. Our ladies directors, they're all, the, everything's about the word. The word, the word, the word, the word, the word. It'll change everything. I don't care how you live your life. Whether you're an atheist or the greatest Christian on the planet. When you die, your life will prove the Bible was right. It just works. That word works. That word works. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Fall in love again with the Bible. Everybody say, I will renew my mind. Number two, second thing you got to do to get through this coming storm. Number two, this is so critical for us. You got time for two more real fast? You got to retrain your mouth. Retrain your mouth. Do you mind if I confess just for a second? I've said so many dumb things in my life. There's only two ways to learn. Mistakes or mentors. I'd rather you learn from my pain than from your own. I can't tell you how many times Kathy and I pray for the sick. And somebody come up for prayer. What's wrong with you? I got, I got bulging disc in my back. Okay, let's pray. In Jesus' name, amen. And they turn around. They get about right here. And they say to their wife, I still hurt. Must not have got anything. Then they sit back down. I say, you just wrecked it yourself. You just, you just ruined it. You just spoke it. You just, you just, you didn't mean to, but you, you just, you just wrecked your whole thing. Can I just give you some quick stuff to you? Faith is always voice activated. You got to say it. It's not enough to believe it. It's not enough to think it. It's not enough to hope it. You got to square up and talk to your mountain. Because everything God made, if you don't hear anything else I say tonight, listen to me. Everything God made has ears. Everything God made has ears. He said, if you don't praise Him, the rocks and trees would do it for you. How would they know? How would they know? He talked to a fig tree and it died like he told it to. He talked to the wind and the sea and it did what he told it to. Joshua talked to the sun in the Old Testament without being born again, spirit filled like we are today, and it did what he said. You think a cold or COVID wouldn't respond to you? The devil's trying to teach us that our words don't matter. Your words are everything. You are your own prophet. You're prophesying your success or your failure by the words that come out of our mouth. And we've been trained to think if we don't really believe what we're saying, it doesn't matter. Oh, I told you this morning, I carry a gun most everywhere I go. Don't have one on me now, so relax. I knew y'all would take care of it if the bad guy came in. Half of y'all are packing anyway. If I had a gun, which I don't, but if I took it out and I dropped the magazine out of it and I shot it at the ground about 10 times so you'd know it was empty and you watched me do all that, would you still be comfortable if I preached the rest of my message walking like this? Would you? You on the front row especially, I just made it, I just stopped right here and preached for a while. Would she like that? Well, she just saw me unload it. 
She just watched me shoot it 10 times. There's no way there's anything left in the chamber. Why would that still make her nervous? Because she knows if there's one chance in a million, there's still something in that gun. She's dead. She knows the power of that gun, and you would too, so out of respect, you wouldn't like me walking around like this, even though you quote-unquote knew it was empty. You knew its potential for destruction, so you respect it. If you really believed what God said about the power of your mouth, you would respect its power by not saying things you don't believe. He's just like his daddy. He'll never change. We'll never get this paid off. This job is on my very last nerve. You just got one left. That's all you got. You only got one. Got a God that never going to leave you, forsake you. But you just got one nerve left. It's Alabama. It's hot as hell today. You really think hell's just 102? You really think so? Do you really think so? Well, Mike, it doesn't matter because I, I don't really believe those things. Well, that's the difference between you and God. He never says anything he doesn't believe. Are you grabbing this? And he said to you and me, put it up for us, my brother, Mark eleven twenty three. He said, if anybody, didn't even say they had to be Christian. Didn't even say a born again man. Did anybody? You're an anybody. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever means who. Everybody, read it slowly with me. Ready? Go. For truly I say unto you, whoever didn't say born again, didn't say saved, didn't say preacher, didn't say full of faith. Anybody. Same word as John three sixteen. Whosoever, whosoever shall say to a mountain be removed keep reading with me and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart but shall believe that the things which he says shall come to pass he will have whatever he says we driving through town about a year ago with a guy visiting me we were driving past some mansions and he said Dang, Mike, he said, what, where are we at? And just instinctively, I said, we're in the rich part of town. And God popped me, man, as soon as I said it. And I said, oh, I'm sorry, Lord. And I'm sorry to my friend. I said, let me rephrase that. We're in the part of town where folk like me live. <laughs> oh, Mike, that's silly. No, that's, that's not. Because he hasn't called me to a poverty mindset so I can't talk like them and me and expect to walk in what he's given me. You can't be, you can't be, you can't be free from sickness if you talk sick all the time. I hear it every week in my life. It's allergy season again. Why would that matter? I'm not going to get them. Flu season's coming. Got your shot. I, I don't have a flu season anymore. I have a Jesus season. Now, don't feel bad if you get a flu shot. That you, you get the point. I'm not being unkind about shots. But why don't we change our thinking a little bit and start reading Isaiah 53, 5, by his stripes I was healed, and start decreeing I don't have an allergy season instead of here comes allergy season again. 
COVID, I hear the COVID rates are back up. That COVID's coming for you. It ain't coming for me. It runs for me because I cast it out. I prayed off of people. Your mouth is deciding your miracles. They're moving towards you or past you. I'll move on with this. I ride motorcycles. It's my hobby. How many play golf? You many men play golf in here? Two, one, two or three. Amen. I, I used to play golf. How many single ladies are in the room? Let me see. Single ladies. One, two. Oh, come on. Just, just two single women in the church. Wow. There's a couple. Amen. Ladies, if you find a man that loves to play golf, marry him in five minutes. Because that's the easiest man to make happy you'll ever meet. If a man can go into a field with a stick and hit a ball as far away as he can and then run to find that ball. And when he finds it, he hits it as far away from him again as he can. Now, if you find a man that loves that, marry him fast because he's the easiest man to make happy on the planet. I promise you. She's calling him in. She's... <laughs> Now, I'm half teasing because I, I, I play golf too. But a few years ago, I, I started playing golf because I just love being out in the country with my friends and talking. And, and then I started riding motorcycles. And then I, I got an email from a guy. And I want you to hear this before I go to point number three. Grab this, please. He's a good man. He's an Assembly of God man. He's a good, Jesus-loving man. And he has a burden for bikers. And he wants to go to motorcycle rallies and pass out tracks and witness and just be there. But you know, you can't drive your minivan to the motorcycle rally and be accepted. He needed a motorcycle. And to get the motorcycle, he had to have some money. So on Facebook, it broke my heart. It, Pastor, you'll understand what I mean. He put a picture of a brand new Harley on the Facebook. He said, all of you know my burden for bikers. I want to give the rest of my life to reaching them. But he said, I don't have enough money to buy a bike. And then he said this, and it broke my heart. He said, too bad I don't believe in the name it and claim it teaching. And I said, oh, brother, you just said it. Now I know why you ain't got no money. Now I know why you don't have a motorcycle. If any man said... He said, I ain't got money for a motorcycle. Guess what he didn't have? You see, you can't even disagree with that verse without proving it works. You can't even say it loud. I don't believe that works. I don't believe you can say something and get something. Well, you just got nothing because that's what you just said. You just proved it worked. You can't even disagree with that verse. He had no concept because he'd been taught. That's just that name it and claim it. Blab it and grab it. I just call it Mark eleven twenty three. I just call it the words of Jesus. That's all. Unsaved people call it manifesting. You can go to Barnes and Noble's bookstore and buy 30 books by unsaved people on that scripture and they never quote Jesus. Even unsaved people know there's power in your confession. How come God's people hadn't rose up yet and said... I'm going to quit talking about my mountain and start talking to my mountain and tell it to get the hell out of my family and my life in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. Are you here? Talking to the cancer. Talking to the fever. Talking to the COVID. Talking to the unemployment rate. Talking to the inflation. And telling it, you can't come around here. And he said, if you'd say it and believe it, it would do what you said. So how are you going to get through the coming storm? 
we're going to talk. Have I always been good at this? No. Do I always, sometimes do I still say stupid stuff? And my wife and I, we, we've given each other permission to be loving policemen to each other. Sometimes I'll say something dumb and she'll just kind of give me that wife look like. And sometimes she'll say something. And I say, oh baby, stop saying that again. It's not really going to be like that. And we both recorrected. I'm begging you as your brother in Christ, become a policeman over your mouth. And when you hear yourself saying something you know is not Jesus approved, recant it and say it again. I don't let people speak anything over me that's not scriptural. I'm never rude about it, but I'll just mutter under my breath, Father, I don't receive that. They just spoke that over me. That ain't me. I don't receive that. I receive your word. And I go with what the word says. Are you, are you grabbing this today? I woke up in the middle of the night. A few years ago with really bad, bad pain over here in my, my kidney area right here. I, I, and it stayed that way for about five days. I, I couldn't, it just all hurt terrible, terrible bad. The pain would wake me up at night. If I would move at night, the pain would wake me up. And all, I Googled it. I made the mistake of Googling. It said I had the plague and my eyes would fall out in two hours. I had 20 minutes to get help. Or blood would come out my nostrils and you know. My friends all said, sounds like gallstones or kidney stones. I done heard enough stories about that to know I didn't want either one of them. So I, I just got mad. I got mad about it. I got mad. I don't, I don't have time for that. And even if I did, why would I want to? You ever met somebody who said, I'm retired now, so I think I'll have some kidney stones. <laughs> got time. Thought I would. I'm driving. And it just made me mad. So I put my own hand on my own back. And I said, I don't know what you are. I don't know what this is. But you can't stay. I curse you. I speak to the mountain of discomfort. And I command you in the name of the Lord Jesus, get out of my body and get out now. It didn't happen instantly. So I laid my hands a little bit later again. And I did it the next day. And I'm here to tell you, in about two to three days, that pain was gone and never came back. And I have not gone to the doctor for gallstone surgery, bladder surgery, and all that. You have to learn to talk to what's bothering you. We call everybody and talk about it. I'm telling you, there's power in your words. There's power in your words. I've watched demon-possessed people throw grown men around the room like rag dolls. And one whisper, a literal whisper into the girl's ear. Jesus. An instant deliverance. That's not a man of super faith. It's an average Alabama Christian. Doing what God told us to do. One of my relatives years ago broke my heart, said, I don't want to talk to you, see you, nothing. Didn't hear from them for nine months. Crushed my heart. Well, I could sit there and complain about it and be a spiritual victim and get all my Christian friends to go, I'm praying for you, and then feel good about all the attention I'm getting over that. Or I could do what I did. I put his picture up on the refrigerator, and I talked to his face every day. And I said, you're coming back to me. You're coming back to our family. You're coming back to our life. And today, we have a phenomenal relationship. Because God put it back together and restored it. You have to talk to what the enemy has sent your way. I don't like that song. I went to the enemy's camp and took back what he stole from me. How about we get so anointed when he comes to take it the first time. You say, no way, devil, and knock him into the ditch and keep your stuff to begin with. Through the power of the Holy Ghost. So when the school board says we're going to put pornographic books in the schools, you talk to that thing. 
When your kids come home and say, I'm not sure what I am. Oh, got a third voice here. You start talking to the third voice. When you start having depression, you talk to the depression. And you watch how God takes you from faith to faith. Glory to glory, victory to victory. Come on, give God one more hand clap of praise. Number three. So, your love for the word, you're refocusing your mouth. And number three, give me five more minutes. The third thing you're going to need is you're going to need to redirect your seed. You redirect your seed. These are the three keys to survive the coming storm. Jesus said this. A preacher didn't make it up. You think, you think preachers invented tithing, by the way? <laughs> Somebody said that. I think preachers invented tithing. Are you kidding me? Ain't no preacher would have just gone for 10%. <laughs> no, no way. <laughs> no way. No. You got 10 preachers in the back room somewhere at midnight having a meeting. How can we rip the people off? I know, 10%. No, that, that didn't happen. God came up with the principle of the tithe and giving. And put this up for us here because I want you, God, I've been preaching this for 30 years and never saw it till I was in Africa about two weeks ago. I want you to see this right here. Luke 6, 38 has one word in it, two letters. And boy, they're so transforming and powerful. Jesus said this. I won't read it to you real slow. Just look at it. Let me do the work. Ready? Jesus said this. Give and it. I'd miss that, Pastor. Give and it. In other words, the it that you gave. Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your lap. For with the same measure you measure out, it'll be measured back to you. Can I just close with tell you this? There's more power in your giving than you've ever tapped into in your life. And I know you're a giving church and a giving people. Romans 8.28 says, He works all things for your good. So it's impossible for you ever to fail. And as a Christian, it's impossible, listen to me close, it's impossible for anything to ever leave your life. Because the it you give is given back to you anyway. So nothing ever leaves your life. It exits your present to come back into your future multiplied. Can you see that? My wife bought me this watch for our anniversary. It's the nicest watch I've ever had. But it's the first watch I've had in 20 years. Because a relative gave me a watch back in the 90s. And I was sitting in church one day. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, turn around and give your watch to the man behind you. I turned around to see who it was, and it was a homeless man. I said, God, he has nowhere to be. He doesn't need a watch. He has no schedule. I really, I, I liked my watch. I said, Lord, really, he, 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 I, he'll buy drugs with it. I was trying to get out of that. You know, Lord, please, you got the wrong guy. But I knew it was God. I knew, I knew. His sheep know his voice. Anytime God wants to take you to a new level in your giving, he'll stretch the level of your gift to the uncomfortable zone. And when God talks to you about a seed, it's because he's got a harvest on his mind. So I took the watch off and I gave it to him and he, he didn't make it easy to obey. The guy never even said thank you. I told God, see, he don't even need a watch. Don't even, he's not even thankful. And I didn't have another watch. I just started looking at the clock on my phone. And I read that verse. Give and it 
it shall be given back to you. I said, oh, wait, time out. I gave a watch. I have a right to a harvest of watches. Watches. Because he said, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I just had my own little camp meeting right there, and I laid my head on my steering wheel. I said, God, your word that cannot lie said if I would give, it would be given back to me. And the Bible says in the King James Version, it said, men shall give into your bosom. It didn't even say it had to be saved men. It just said, if I would give to God, he would cause men to give to me. And there's eight billion people on the earth, so that's a lot of folks God can talk to on my behalf so I said God I call in my watches in the name of Jesus and I went to preach the following Saturday at a hotel meeting didn't tell anybody what I told you and I'd honestly forgot about it I was praying the dismissal prayer and I heard chink chink metal metal chink 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 and I thought what is that noise and I, I said God dismissed the people and I opened my and a kid on the front row come running to the pulpit said hey I know this is kind of weird he was taking his nice watch off he said I just bought this watch yesterday but while you were praying a dismissal prayer God told me to give it to you and he handed me a watch then I left there and I went to Starbucks for some tea and, and, and a woman a woman walked up and said hey this is going to sound weird because you're a guy and I'm a girl but God told me to give you my diamond watch I said I ain't going to wear it but I'm going to sell it to plant some churches overseas then I went to another place and a lady walked up to me and said God told me to give you a watch and she gave me a watch and then I went to Germany in the Frankfurt Germany airport and saw a man with a gorgeous watch and I said man that's a beautiful watch and how many would like to finish the rest of the story for me Watches started coming to me, and I got one now, so I'm not saying that to manipulate you to give me yours. Some of you got nervous about your Rolex or whatever. <laughs> but I said, God, I'm going to call in what your word said. Then I got real excited because the last car I had, I gave away. And I started looking at the areas of my life where I had sowed seed and hadn't seen a harvest. And I rewrapped my faith around it and began to call it in. One man walked up to me one day and said, Mike, do you have a paid off house? I said, no. He said, would you like it to be? I said, of course. I thought he's going to write a big offering and pay off my house. Instead, he said, would you like to plant a seed into my ministry? And I said, not really. I thought we were going somewhere else with this. But I want our keyboard player to come. But he said, Mike, he said, I'd like you to write a check equal to your mortgage payment. Because he said, you've been paying the wrong Lord. You've been paying the landlord, but not the Lord. He said, if you'll count off 90 days and watch what God will do, I believe God could give you a debt-free house. So I was listening, and I did it. I sowed a seed that day, wrote a check out for exactly what my mortgage payment was. Waited a few days, months, nothing happened. So I sowed a second one. Because I really believe God had talked to me. I was sowing a seed for a targeted harvest. Why does that sound weird? If you want corn, you don't plant watermelon. If you want tomatoes, you don't plant cucumbers. In the natural, you plant what you want to receive. Well, your whole life is a seed. You need more love, sow more love. You reap what you sow. You sow love, you reap love. The only way to have a friend is to... You learn that in third grade, kindergarten. So if you need money, what do you sow? Prayer? Nope. You sow money. 
So I wrote a second check. Long story short, an opportunity for a business thing came our way later. And I paid cash for the very next house that I bought. And I didn't use a single penny from a single offering in my ministry. Not, not one penny came from the, my preaching. God blessed me in other ways. And I walked into a debt-free house. Sold it a year later for three times what I paid for it. It wasn't a millionaire's house, but it was mine. I mean, I didn't pay a million dollars for it, but how I many if God could do that for me? But if I had have kept that seed that day, that, that wouldn't have happened. Kathy and I went through a pretty good bump during COVID because we travel full time. I was down 37 weeks because all the churches we were supposed to be at canceled us. She was starting a real estate business and it was plummeting all on commission. And we had some kind of, hey, Lord, what's up times? Last October, we were in Branson, Missouri, and a preacher went to receive an offering for his ministry. And, and I looked at Kathy and said, I think we're supposed to sow. And I think we're supposed to sow big. And she said to me, I think we are too. Then she came up with this idea. She said, I want to make sure we're on the same page. So she said, you write down real quick on a private piece of paper the amount. And I'm going to write it down too. And I thought, as a Christian man, praise God. As a married man, I went, shoot. <clears throat> so I wrote down what I felt God say. And it was the second largest gift of my lifetime. And I've given thousands at one time. So I'm sowing this in kind of a bumpy time for us. And I'm wondering, I thought, Lord, what am I going to do? Because it was several thousand dollars. What am I going to do if she shows me, you know, $75 or something, you know, and I, what are we going to do about this, you know? And so we, we went one, two, three, we, we showed each other's. And mine was double what she wrote down. And instantly, this shows you what kind of a woman of God she is. She said to me, your amount is right. She said, the Lord told me that too, but it scared me so bad. She said, I just thought we might decide maybe for half. But I wouldn't have probably had the faith to sow what I wrote down if it hadn't been for her. We sowed it. It was the second largest seed of my lifetime. And by December 31st, at 9, what, 45? We were at a cabin at a family reunion. I looked on my website and somebody I've never met, don't know to this day, had gone on our website at 9.35 at night on New Year's Eve and sowed the largest one-time gift from an individual in the entirety of my 40 years of preaching. Come on, somebody. You think the two was a coincidence? No. God was stretching us. So I'm just going to say tonight, I'm not saying this to just get you happy. There's debt-free houses sitting in this room that God's going to help you pay off. An atheist can pay off a house in 30 years. That's not a miracle. That's just time and payments. I'm talking about getting it paid off next week, next month, tomorrow afternoon, that kind of stuff. We've seen people get paid off houses within 12 hours of a church service who had no idea. They didn't get another dollar, but God came through some other crazy way. We've seen people have financial miracles like crazy. I just left Africa. Africa! And had people over there, God spoke to me in the pulpit and said, there's two people going to give a million dollars if you'll ask for it. And I wasn't receiving an offering for me. It was for the ministry I was there preaching for. God said, if you'll ask for it. I said, God, I'm not at First Baptist Beverly Hills. I'm in Africa. 
And long story short, within 45 minutes, two people sold $1 million. And by the end of the week, 12 people did it. You hear me? 12 people, $1 million. Come on, give God some praise. I got back to my hotel. I was shouting, thanking God for his goodness. And then it kind of did hit me. I, that was all for somebody else. I said, well, I was rejoicing with them too. And a little bit of, shoot, <laughs> you know. But I'm here to prophesy to you tonight. I'm just, just a man of God coming in and telling you. Take the financial lid off of your life. There's nothing wrong being a multi-millionaire and being born again at the same time. You build churches. How many like to go up to pastor? Seriously, I, I just wouldn't it be nice to walk up to pastor and say, hey, what are we going to need for this new building? Because my wife and I would just like to pay for half of it tomorrow. And never even miss it. Wouldn't you like to do stuff like that? Wouldn't you like to be good to the people that were good to you when you were a kid? Buy somebody a new car, put a kid through Bible school, go to a restaurant. Usually you've watched people in bars. Some of you were in bars all your life and somebody half drunk and say, I got the next round on me. Wouldn't you like to walk into a steakhouse and just say, God, I'm a Christian, by the way. That's all you need to know. I'm going to buy everybody's meal in the house. God bless you. And just walk out. Wouldn't you like to live that kind of a life just because you could? Why not? Why not? I'm here today to pray over you. I want debt-free houses. I want cars paid off. I want homes. Kathy and I have been at a place because of some of her testimony, and you don't know a lot of mine. We had to start over. We have some new goals of our own. And God's shown me some incredible things about our future. I mean, we have the same Jehovah Jireh, folks. Come on. He works in Alabama, works in Africa, works in Texas. I want you to if you'll, if you'll grab this last prophetic word before I have you stand. If you'll receive this from me. I want your biggest financial problem to become God in heaven. I don't know what to do with all this extra money. My husband and I, my wife and I, we don't know where to spend it, where to give it. Because it's more than we could ever ask or think. I'd like that to become your new money problem. You could give to every need that excites you. You could pay off churches, Bibles. You could take vacations. You could put your kids through private school, your grandkids. Whatever you want to do. Because it's as easy for God to give you a dollar as it is to give you one million. Just like your kids ask for a glass of water with ice. Is that a bigger problem than just no ice? We put a limit on God because we were taught to stay poor and humble. That was satanic teaching. It's not. It's, it's no, there's, no, there's no blessing in being broke. I've been to 40 countries from China to India to you name it. Just left Africa. Bloated bellies and hungry kids. I can't tell you one good thing about being broke. I can't tell you one. But I can tell you a lot of things about having extra and good and being a blessing and being a giver. Come on, somebody. Shout hallelujah. How many, how many think one of the reasons Hollywood and, and the media can grab your kids so easy is they've got the money to be influential. They do the programs. They do the videos. They do the apps. Christians are having, you know, we're, we're having car washes to send our own kids to youth camp. Are you hearing me today? Nothing wrong with any of that. How many just like to go to a whole new level where we just keep saying, Pastor, we got this. Pastor, I got this. Come on, give God one more praise. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet tonight. Give God a thunderous shout right now. A thunderous hand clap of praise. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! I am born again. Say it out loud. I am 
born again, new creature, never broke, never sick, never discouraged. I am the head and not the tail. I have joy. I have peace. I have power. I lay hands on the sick and they recover. I talk to mountains and they obey me. I sow seed. I have a harvest. Oh, lift both hands now and give God a shout. Come on. If you've got a prayer language right now, take about 30 seconds and pray in the Holy Ghost right now. Come on. This is a Sunday night believers meeting. Lift both hands high and pray boldly in the Holy Ghost right now. Come on. Stir up out of your innermost being. We'll flow. We'll flow. Father, in Jesus' name. Shandro Seka Rabba Sarabake Yelaba Sataramako Wadaba Sondo de Boshika Rabasai Yela Brasa Taramakai. You are a mighty God. You are a mighty God. You are a mighty God. My Jehovah Jireh, my provider, my healer, my deliverer my joy giver my constant companion oh just praise him right now family here's how i feel like the holy spirit's instructed me i want everybody whether you're visiting or a member first time tenth time doesn't matter i want everybody who wants to go to a deeper level in god when you really do not just being polite to me you really have an ache. You heard me talk about testimonies and stories, not something, and you said, man, I'd give for a life like that. I, I ache for that kind of, if, if you have any part of you that wants to go deeper in Him, get out of your seat right now and come cram the front of this church as fast as you can. Just come stand. Just come stand. Get as close as you can. Maybe the first or second step. Just come on in. Get close. Come on in. Get close. Get close. Get down here. Just lift both hands and pray in tongues. Pray in the Holy Ghost. If you don't have a prayer language, just say, God, I'm here. God, I'm here. I'm here for whatever you need, whatever you want. Just get as close as you can. Everybody, step up really close. If we have to stay in some of the aisles, we'll do that. We're all going to come down. Lift both hands. We've got some room over here. Lift both hands right now. Shake out. Rabba se tarabba ke. Yendo lobo se. Yatarabba ko rabba se. Yorobo sandarabba se tarabba se karabba se. Just begin to pray boldly in the Holy Ghost. Just pray boldly, pray boldly, pray boldly. You there at your house, right where you are, lift both hands in your bedroom, in your living room, your handheld device, watching live or on the replay. He's there. He's there for you. Come on, everybody, just pray about 60 more seconds. Just talk to God right now. God, I'm here. I'm yours. I'm yours. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm going deeper. I'm not content with yesterday. Pray boldly, pray boldly in the Holy Ghost. Mighty God, we love you. Mighty God, we love you. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your power.